Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back, and thanks for listening and making commitments to your learning. We hope that you are doing well. Uh, we're your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by the lovely Jordan Porter again. Good morning. <laughs> I like how we do say that. Like, oh, I'm joined by so Like, of course we are. Like, it's always been <laughs> like three years well, now. <laughs> no. Like, there was Bailey when I wasn't yeah. here, and then we've had other people. Yeah. I can't remember who I talked to when you weren't here. It's it's been three years. I have no idea anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It's mostly you and I. <laughs> it's funny. I mentioned something about doing the podcast this morning to my mother, and she's like, "Oh, are you still doing that?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, like "Weekly." <laughs> yeah. She's like, "How's it going?" I was like, "Well, we slacked because of the funeral and like, <laughs> you know." Yeah, you know what's crazy is. I look at it and we, what, what episode number is this? Like 163, baby. 163. That's crazy. Right. Well, 163 part two. <laughs> like, yeah. So 164. <laughs> 163 and a half. <laughs> 163 and a half. Nice. Yeah. So this is 164, which 164 weeks. No, we've definitely done more than that because there's bonus episodes in there. I know, and... but like official weeks, dude. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, actually. <laughs> Who? Wow. Um. Yeah, 163. Do you hear I... my cat in the background? <laughs> I only heard it that one time. I didn't hear it before that. He's so loud. That's so funny. He's like, I don't care that you've done 163 episodes. I want to talk. That's my youngest son. He's very loud. So he will, I'm sure, make more appearances. Was that baby cat? Baby kitten? No, that's Remy. Baby cat's baby brother. He's like nine months old now. We I had to figure this out the other day. He's nine months old and he is. He is the most talkative, loudmouth cat I've had in a long time, which is funny because he's not the orange cat. The orange cat's quiet. He's the gray cat. Um, And my husband was like, why is he so loud? And I was like, I think he figured out at a young age that if he yells really loudly, he gets rescued from the tree because that's how I got him was he was up in the tree during that rainstorm and I heard him yelling and I was like, hello and so i think he's like if i yell really loudly people come to find me he's Hmm. crazy he actually it was really funny last night we had the light on outside Mm -hmm. while we were while we were eating dinner and i was like what is he tripping about because he was like staring at the window and his head was like and i was like okay it's nighttime what is happening i'm like it's not the moths there was a little bat that was coming oh. to eat all the moths and the bugs. And he was just like, and he started doing like the little oh, at I the love window. And I was tripping. like, it's like, oh you're, my God. <laughs> remember, you're supposed to get a video of that for me. I know. Well, I, he's, I, he just did it really quickly. So I'll, I'll have to see if we can do it again. Cause I'm sure the bats will be back. And he was very excited about the bat. That was really cool. 
So yeah, wildlife. <laughs> Yay, wildlife. I built a pond yesterday. Did you really? I did. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I went, I, I, everybody should be so proud. So like I was talking to my husband about it and I was like, I really like, cause like he's an, he's an overthinker. Like, I mean, just like me, but like him and I are different when it comes to like building things because I'm just like, let's just put it together. And he's oh like, my God, that's like me and, and Kevin. <laughs> and he's very like, no, slow down. Let's think about this. Like, what if I did it this What's way? What plan? if I did it this way? Yeah. Like, what if I did it this way? And I was like, okay. I was like, I want to build a pond. I was like, I think I'm going to go to Lowe's and I'm going to buy everything and I'm going to start building it today. He's like, well, I really think we need to research it. I was like, mind you, I've been researching since I was up in Ohio for the funeral and stuff. Like mm. I've been looking into all the different types of ponds and yeah. how to make it so I don't have to clean it out super often and like how nice. to make it like good for the ducks. Like I've been doing research, like you guys know, I'm a researcher, <laughs> but when it comes to like putting it together, I don't need to stand there and stare at the pieces of wood before I like actually start joining them mm, together yeah yeah and, you're like okay we're, we're there now yep <laughs> so um so I was just like toying with some ideas and like I put all of the things that I thought I would need for this project in my cart on Lowe's just to get an idea of like price and stuff mm. and make sure that they had it and all this stuff so I was like you know what I was like this says it all be ready for pickup today so I'm just gonna order it and mm. like I told Matt I was like I ordered everything the only thing that didn't come in was the palm liner and that should be here today um and so like I put it and like I hurried up and like put it all together yesterday before Matt got home from his like little trip. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> I was like, I really want to do this like 100% by myself. Like I want to build this and do this Aww. like just to see like if I can. It was It's simple. I made a square. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't do the whole like buy a plastic pond and like dig a hole. Yeah. Like I'm building an above ground pond so we can move it or take it with us or whatever. Yeah. And um so it's mostly put together. I just I'm waiting on my pond liner to be delivered today. Nice. And then like it, I can start filling it up. And um so anyway that that was my project yesterday and that's cool. Yeah. So luckily like Matt was like oh look it looks good and I was like yeah see I don't need to stand there at the corner and be like should I put it together this way or should I put it together this way? Like, <laughs> I love him dearly, but he overthinks projects. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's partially because we're technicians. Like we do a lot of like pre-thinking mm -hmm. our stuff together and then we just do it. And we're yeah. like, we'll figure it out as we go. Like, and that's the thing is like, I don't think he sees that. Like I was thinking about how to join everything together, like literally yeah. on the drive home. Like it was a 15 minute drive from the hardware store to home. And then like, yeah. I took a minute and like when I got home and I like, I sat on the couch and I was really like thinking about like things and I was yeah. doing more research because like we have some pine logs and stuff like that too. So it's like, oh nice, yeah. I want to like put, like make stairs to it out of the pine logs, just keeping things natural. Um, yeah. 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 And For the ducks and everything. Yeah, and put pine yeah. logs in the pond so the ducks can get out and things like that. And so I was I was doing research to make sure all that was safe for the water and for the ducks and for um just whatever else I decide to add to it. Yeah. And um so he was underestimating my ability to do the research. <laughs> like <laughs> and so I, that's kind of why I was Does like Does he not know that you're like you get the gold star for research? <laughs> I, I think he forgets about like my obsessive compulsiveness. And so like he, <laughs> 
because when I do research, like that was always one of my things that I like hid from him. Like when I would like stay up in the middle of night, like on my phone researching things like, and now I'm better, but now I save that kind of stuff for when he's at work. And so like (laughs) when I obsess over things, I tend to hide it. And so it's one of like, that's one of those things that I just like, he doesn't get to witness. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So like, because I've been researching how to do this pond for weeks now, he doesn't understand like how much mental energy I've actually put into this. <laughs> and so when I was He's like, like, you threw it together and you're like, yeah. yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's That's been interesting. Funny. I know it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause I'm kind of the same way. Like I'll be thinking about stuff in the background. Like I, I added like, um, I don't know if I showed you, but kitchen cabinets, Mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, you did show yeah. me those yeah and it was like I'd been thinking about it for a while and I was like trying to picture like what do I want to do with this area and then finally I was like Kevin this is this is what I want to do and he was like and I'm like D- it'll be fine yeah <laughs> um and it but was it's kind, like, of, kind of fun yeah they 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 don't see they don't get to see all the thought that goes into it before we're like I'm doing this right and then we just buy the stuff and then we just throw it in there. And they yeah. literally just think that we're just like, sh- they're just like, I'm, they think we're winging it. And I'm like, I'm not, I promise. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, no, really. I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's this in the background. Yeah. Like this, this kept me up at night, at least one night. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. Uh, yes. That is our mental wellness right now for May. (laughs) (laughs) Just researching and doing random projects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like when I, when I first got like diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, it was funny because my, uh, my physician at the time was like, do you tend to hide your like compulsions? And I was like, what do you mean? well, do you do them when people aren't around? And I was like, well, yeah, because like I can research for hours. Right. And then like, it takes someone being like, get off the computer. Right. Like, um, and I've, I've, I've gotten it under control now to where like I do chunks of research where I'm just like, all right, like you have a plan now. And like, I I'm better. I'm mentally better than where I was like this time last year. So it's like, Dude, I hear you on that. My We're God. figuring it out. We're figuring it out. <laughs> we have changed our lives dramatically over the last three years. Can we just have that discussion real quick? Right. I was That's talking about, crazy. about that too. I was like, look at how much our lives have changed just in the past two years. Like, yeah. From where we thought we wanted to be two years ago to like <laughs> right. where we now want to be. And like, it's interesting, man. Yeah. Don't give up hope, people. Mental stability <laughs> is possible. It <laughs> like, is. <laughs> you just I have feel, to work at it. <laughs> I feel very mentally stable. And it. Are you okay? Like, did, did somebody just go, oh, yeah, you're mentally stable? <laughs> I thought I started hearing voices. Uh, my Roomba <laughs> was talking. <laughs> and it scared me for a minute. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like like oh well there goes my mental health oh that's so funny dude I totally know what you mean because I was at my friend's and in, in hers like I don't think it's a Roomba but it's one of those robot things it started talking and I was like what is that noise and they're like oh I'm like you guys are used to Ruby just talking to you and they're like yeah 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 and I'm like okay 
family. Yeah, you just do it yet. <laughs> it catches you off guard. Matt really likes the Roomba to run, and I don't, so I frequently turn it off so that way, like, I don't have to hear it, and like, so it doesn't talk to me. But Matt turned it on before he left today, mm. and I was outside. So, um, anyway, we should probably talk <laughs> so about funny. the actual episode. <laughs> it's fine. We didn't do as much banter yesterday, right? right. Yeah, it was yesterday. By the way, we recorded the first half of this episode yesterday because you know yes. that's that's how our schedule works, and we are getting back on track. So there's that. Yeah, we are. <sighs> um. So speaking of getting back on track, because um, we did kind of talk about it on the last episode, uh, next month's CE, so June 2023, um, we are going to be doing uh, the blood transfusion talk, which actually went really well with last week's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to uh, join us for that one, it is our monthly CE with the membership. So if you're a member, um, it is part of the membership. We also decided in last episode, if anybody else wants to join us that isn't a uh, member, we'll do this one for free this this coming month, Um, partially because we were slacking so much. So it gives everybody the (laughs) opportunity to come join us if they want to. Um, So that will be Saturday, June 10th. Um, So definitely if you are interested, um, if you're a member, again, membership, you'll see it there. Um, you can join our newsletter and we'll send it in the newsletter. And then uh, the other thing is if you go to internalmedicineforvettex.com, if you go um, to the events page, which um, it's it's one of the things. So, But if you go internalmedicineforvettex.com slash events, um, we'll have it posted there too. So definitely if you're interested in blood transfusion CE, um, come listen to uh, Jordan, Jordan talk because because this yeah. is her baby <laughs> this, this one is my baby yeah I like this one all right so today um we are continuing on the rat bait train <laughs> um so last week we talked about the anticoagulants we talked about some history on rat bait this is this week we're going to be talking about some of the other kinds of rat baits um because the anticoagulant is kind of the big one. Um, some of these are, we talked about it last time, because uh, the anticoagulants, there there ended up being some resistance to it because of how much it was used. And um, we all know about resistance to drugs. So um, one, uh, the first one we'll kind of talk about is bromethylene. So we talked about last, um, episode how the EPA um, started putting some regulations into kind of help protect non-target species. So um, dogs, cats, kids, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bromethylene, um, it did kind of start being used in the 1970s because that's when the, the warfarin resistance started happening when it kind of came out into the market, they talked about it had a 90% efficacy in rodent control. Um, So it definitely was a big deal. The problem with um, bromethylene is it comes in a wide variety of formulations. So not just the blocks that we kind of traditionally think of, but pellets, worms, which is crazy that it's in worms. It's in seed. 
Um, and they have a variety of concentrations that are anywhere from like a 0 0.1 to 0 0.25 milligrams per gram. Um, the, the crazy thing about this product is it's designed to be like a single dose is lethal in uh, rodents. So that's kind of one of the crazy things about it. So the way that bromethylin works is it's a neuro uh, neurotoxin. Um, it causes cerebral edema and the way that it does it. Oh is, my God. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, that was a shock that I was expecting to hear. <laughs> yeah. Not an just, just makes your brain swell. It's fine. So basically the, the crazy thing is bromethylin absorbs super quick. So unlike anticoagulants where you don't see it for three to five days, this one you're definitely going to see, um, peak concentration in plasma and rats is at four hours. So it, it absorbs really quickly. Um, and then what happens is it kind of does its, it metabolizes, it does its things. And basically what it does is, um, it disrupts the sodium potassium pumps, um, especially in the CNS. Uh, and so it loses, they, you lose osmotic control and then that causes, fluid accumulation in the long nerves and causes cerebral and spinal cord edema. That's all. That's fine. Um, these, these, uh, if a dog or a cat ingests it, um, I, well, I guess rodents as well. Any, any species that ingests it, you see signs of weakness, tremors, and seizures, um, depending on how much is ingested. The other crazy thing is, um, that there's a difference in sensitivity between dogs and cats. Cats are going to be very um, sensitive to it. So their LD50 uh, is 0 0.4 to 0 0.71 milligrams per kg, with dogs being 2.38 to 5.6 milligrams per kg. Um, and just a fun fact, because this cracks me up, Guinea pigs are uniquely resistant. Their LD50 is 1,000 milligrams per kilogram. So wait. <laughs> <Ugh>. Yes. <laughs> so like guinea pigs can just like chomp, chomp, chomp on some rat bait and then be yeah. like, be like, whatever, I don't get cerebral edema. <laughs> what? I know. Isn't that crazy? Especially because I aren't guinea pigs rodents. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. So yeah, apparently they're they're like whatever. I'm just gonna eat this brain swelling drug. Yeah, but I think it's crazy the difference too between cats and dogs. So that I mean, there is some literature that says that um, if an animal ingests an animal that is yeah contaminated, that it can transfer. And so if you think about it, I mean cats that are eating mice and rats if they are yeah full of bromethylene could potentially have issues yeah i mean it's gonna be a lower dose but but still like that was a big mm -hmm. issue i think when like that was a issue with farms right and then like mm -hmm. so people would put out rat bait on their farms mice would eat it or the rats would eat it and then those barn cats which 
I don't know. I guess if you're having to put out rat bait, your barn cats aren't doing a very good job. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> They're new barn cats. Dang it. They haven't learned their job yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, so with, so when we talk about how quickly, um, clinical signs happen, so, um, it is dose dependent, which makes sense. Like the more you eat, the, the more of an issue it is. Um, but seizures in dogs, um, can happen anywhere between four to 36 hours after ingestion, depending on how much they get. Um, but they'll have hyperexcitability, muscle tremors, grand mal seizures, hind limb hyper, hyper reflexia, CNS depression, hyperthermia, death. Um, so this is not great. And this is at doses. So this is for dogs um, at about 3.5 milligrams per kg. If we're going lower than the 3.5, we could get some paralytic issues. So oh. a down dog could potentially be this because of swelling of the spinal cord, which is crazy. Um, so, uh, so the paralytic could be anywhere from one to five days after exposure. Um, yeah. And then cats tend to get the paralytic syndrome, um, no matter what the dose of bromethalin is. So, so a cat, wow. I'm learning so much that I like, I, like, I thought I knew rat bait toxicity (laughs) well and it's funny because I just I think for me when I think of bromethalin like I knew it wasn't the anticoagulant I knew it was bad bad news and I was like oh it just means they're gonna die but now I'm like oh okay but they like it I it's like wow they like become paralyzed and like slowly suffer this sucks like this sucks like (laughs) yeah So, um, so they basically there's like, we kind of presume the diagnosis, um, because there's not great ways to test for it. Um, so basically if you've got neurologic signs between one to seven days after exposure, we're going to assume that it's bromethalin toxic, um, toxic toxicity. Um, you can, (laughs) you can, uh, you can get a confirmation diagnosis by detecting bromethalin or the metabolite in liver, kidney, brain, or fat. Um, it's not available in a lot of diagnostic laboratories and it's not done super frequently unless it's a necropsy. (laughs) So like if you suspect, yeah, I'm interested to hear what the treatment options for this are. (laughs) right <laughs> because i'm assuming uh, based on that information it's not very <laughs> i mean it well yeah we'll get there yeah. <laughs> so you know depending on like if if we suspect exposure and we start seeing signs like acute onset weakness hind limb paralysis tremor seizures we're going to we're going to kind of think that this happens the problem is um some of the differential diagnosis that we have for this is going to be illicit non-illicit drug exposure so um THC um uh cannabis because of the whole like mm-hmm. axia thing right 
um, benzodiazepines, opiates, sleep aids, antidepressants, also um, ethanol and ethylene glycol ingestion, um, neurologic mushroom, or excuse me, neurotoxic, not neurologic mushrooms, neurotoxic mushroom ingestion, blue-green algae, um, mycotoxin, envenomation, tick-borne disease, primary musculoskeletal disease or intervertebral disc disease, spinal cord and CNS trauma. So a huge range of things. So again, we talked about this in the last episode. Please, 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 please bring the box, take a picture of the box, bring your receipt, whatever, so we can figure out what type of rat bait we're dealing with. Because if we know that this is what it is, it's, it's definitely better. So here's how we treat it. So if we have a non-clinical patient, so this is a patient that has ingested it within four hours we're going to make them vomit. So dogs, apo or hydro, uh, hydro, hydromorphone, apomorphine or hydrogen peroxide. This is what happens when I try to shake, like shorten words, they just become one. So I feel you. <laughs> um, hopefully I won't do it with cats this week. Cause I did it last week. Right. So dexmedetomidine or hydromorphone or xylosine. Look, I, I, I did it right this time. I screwed I up dogs, but not the cats. <laughs> You're doing great much better, right? <laughs> um, once we've gotten them to vomit, hopefully as much of it out, we're going to try to decontaminate. So, um, activated charcoal, multiple doses. Um, if we're concerned that we've got toxic doses, um, because it so bromethylene does enterohepatic circulation. That is why we need to do those multiple doses because it will get reabsorbed. Um, so we just need to make sure that we're, we're getting it out. So we typically do the activated charcoal, a gram per keg, um, as a slurry with cathartic, um, to kind of get it out. Um, then we do without, um, cathartic, for every eight hours for up to two additional doses. We want to make sure they don't aspirate. We give them IV fluid um, for at least four to six hours after that last dose of, um, of charcoal. And then we're going to make sure that our serum potassium, uh, serum sodium levels are correct. We're not having issues. And then if we have like, if we could see the wrap bait coming out of the stool. That's, that's what we want. We also want the activated charcoal to come out the stool. So making sure we get it out is the best thing. If we have a, um, clinically affected patient, so we're a little bit over four hours at this point, or it's absorbed pretty quickly. We could do gastric lavage, um, but this is all depends on if there's a large quantity still in the stomach. If it's not in the stomach, then, you know, <laughs> too oh, late. Yeah. <laughs> like may not be able to get it out. Um, you can do enemas if you start seeing it in the stool. So try to get, try to get it out as quick as possible. So we're not absorbing more of it. We want to get a minimum baseline of a PCB, total proteins, electrolytes, and BG. Um, and then if we have clinically affected patients, we're going to need to do mannitol because we've got brain swelling. So we're going to do mannitol um, 
crystalloids should be discontinued for a duration of the administration of our mannitol. And then after we restart mannitol, or excuse me, after mannitol is done being given, we restart fluids. Um, we're going to repeat mannitol dosing every four to eight, four to eight. So it's not 48, but four to eight hours in a well-hydrated patient, depending on clinical signs. If we're seeing tremors, um, methocarbamol is going to be used. Um, so we do a loading dose or we can do a, a CRI of it. Um, if we're seeing seizures, we're going to use some anticonvulsants. Um, there is some controversy about using uh, corticosteroids just because it's like, does it actually help with cerebral edema caused by? I was say, I think that's hormone. been a discussion for a while. Like, about yeah. Different, like, <laughs> like, does it help different... with any swell? Because uh. what is it? Yeah. Uh, what do we use in like shocky situations like that where we're unsure? Oh God, uh, like, like everything. Like, Solumedrol. Sol <laughs> and... Yeah. Like, oh man, I haven't seen a bottle of Solumedrol in like so long. Like... <laughs> right? Oh my God, seriously. Yeah. And then the other one that's controversial is intralipids. Um, so <laughs> intralipids. So one of the things they talked about is that it could potentially encourage bromethylene absorption from the gut. Um, so it's, it's like, so I don't know. They talk about it. it could be potentially used, but it's not a first line treatment. It just kind of depends. I, I've never heard of intralipids being used for this, but I guess some people do use it. Um, if we've got a large ingestion, is the thought of it is, I wonder, is the thought that like the fat would somehow absorb the toxin? I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, it's funny because I'd never heard of using intralipids for this. So I was like, oh, this is like a thing. Maybe it's because my doctors think it's controversial and don't do it. <laughs> um, if we have a large ingestion, so, I mean, this makes sense. If we have a large ingestion, early and aggressive decontamination is going to be the best thing. So making sure clients know that and bring them in as soon as possible. Um if we've already got clinical signs going on, obviously recover is going to be longer because now we have to get rid of the brain swelling. It's obviously more expensive too. Um, they, they, we don't know the half-life of bromethylene in dogs and cats, but we do know it in rats, it's about six days. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So they can have clinical signs that persist for weeks. Um, or potentially the mild form of some kind of permanency of CNS science. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> These poor rats and mice that eat that stuff. This sounds awful. This yeah. sounds awful, Yvonne. And I am unhappy. So just keep moving on. Just keep moving on. <laughs> so yeah. So permethalin. Um, Don't mess with it. I This is, I hate all pesticides because of like yeah. the crazy things they do 
And then we wonder why we have problems. Like That's this, what I'm this, saying. Like this, this crap's is, in the environment. Like this come is our, on. This is all our fault. We are doing this. We are killing animals and they were here first. This is horrible. Like the fact that it was just a nuisance for us. Like, man, oh, oh those rats in my I, I have some choice words for these people. <laughs> <laughs> Get a cat. <laughs> I don't have problems with rats and mice. Just saying. <laughs> Me either. And I, well, update on the whole like mouse trap that we set. There has oh, been nothing great. found. There is no noises. I do think the thing, whatever it was, just was kind of coming and going out of the house. Now that we blocked the house from nice. being able to get in, like I think it's he gone. Um, yeah, because Bailey was really upset. She's like, "Why do we have mouse traps?" And I was like, "Relax." <laughs> You're like, "It just needs to not be in here." Yeah, I, was like, I just need it to not eat my wires. I was like, "I actually really oh, don't care yeah. if it like if it lives like in like I don't care. I just need it to not eat my wires and make it expensive." See, it's a nuisance for people. It sucks. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it when I find their poo and pee in places. I'm just like, ew now i because all i can think of the entire time when i see it is um leptospirosis yeah i was gonna say listeria yeah. but that's not yeah. what i meant i meant well, lepto. listeria is pretty good though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think of lepto every time i'm like Ooh, oh my god I this is probably same. why i have gloves we were talking about this earlier like i have gloves because it creeps me out and like i think of lepto and i clean things and yet, here i am with my farm and i don't have gloves this is a problem i know well i'm sure i'll get used to more stuff but like i said there is a study out there i should find this and just post it one day there was a study done that humans holding a mild parasitic burden of hookworms um, actually tended to be healthier and have a, a stronger immune system than those who don't <laughs> so I'm bring on the hookworms baby Ooh can we not talk about parasites <laughs> <laughs> let's just move on and get this, this episode i'm i'm upset at this episode the fact that this even exists bothers me yeah so another common rodenticide is um cholecalciferol or vitamin d3 um so this is uh, it's a highly concentrated vitamin D3. Um, so it doesn't actually take a lot to be toxic. Uh, most of the times this damages kidneys and calcification of soft tissues. So blood vessels, heart, kidneys, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you suspect your animal has eaten this again, go to the doctor. Uh, so the problem is again, because of regulatory changes, thanks EPA. <laughs> I get it. I get it why they're trying to protect things, but um, because of that, vitamin D3 has been, um, uh, ingestion has gone up. So there's soft baits, hard blocks, pellets. Um, there's a couple of different ways to do it. It's typically the concentration is a 0.75 milligrams per gram of product. Um, so it, this one is a little bit different than bromethylene. Bromethylene is like a one dose and it can be toxic. This one is more of chronic ingestion of it um, versus like one dose and that's it. So this is, if, if an animal eats carrion or other animals that have it in their system, it's 
it could potentially cause toxicity, but most of the times it's because they've actually eaten the bait. Um, so the way that this one, the way the D3 works is it disrupts calcium and phosphorus homeostasis within the body. Um, it transmits from the gut by binding to proteins, travels to the liver where it converts to, um, 25 dash hydroxyl calciferol. You know, you've, I've ordered this test before, so, um, I just know what it looks like. I, I don't say it very often. Um, and then what happens is it converts into, in the renal tubules into the one comma 25, blah, 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 or calcitriol. That one I know. Um, so because calcitriol is the active, the bioactive form, um, there does need to be a large quantity of the D3, the vitamin D3 ingested, um, mm. and to, to get to that point, typically, um, peak concentration of calcitriol is 48 to 96 hours after ingestion. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we, we're not totally sure exactly. So here's the thing is it's like, yes, this happens. Um, but again, if it's just one dose, typically they tend to be relatively okay. Um, it's, it's more of like a chronic dose. However, if they do a big old whopping dose, so acute lethal doses at 13 milligrams per kilogram or <laughs> a median lethal dose, so um, LD50 is 88 milligrams per kg, which is a lot. Um, so we we kind of look, look at that. Um, we can get some clinical signs as low as 0 0.1 milligrams per kilogram. So there is this huge range. Um, and typically if we're going to see clinical science lab changes, it's within 12 to 48 hours after ingestion, they can have weakness, anorexia, vomiting, polyuria, polydipsia, dehydration. We could see mineralization of soft tissues, although that tends to be from chronic ingestion. Um, and then systemic effects, depending on what happens with those organs. So like if we've got chronic kidney calcification, we have issues there. Um, persistent elevations in calcium and phosphorus lead to um, that metastatic mineralization. Um, so that's where we get kidney injury, kidney injury, kidney dysfunction, and then eventually failure, depending on how bad it is. Um, let's see. Typically, patients will remain normal and maintain stable and normal calcium and phosphorus values about 72 to 96 hours after ingestion um, are typically, those patients are typically not expected to develop clinical signs or changes associated with toxicosis. So again, this is dose dependent. I, I think really it is more a huge dose versus chronic low doses. So if we, um, oh, differential diagnosis for this, sorry. Differential diagnosis for this is exposure to vitamin D3 supplements because we take vitamin D3 supplements. I know I do because 
I don't go in the sun, <laughs> um, exposure to calcitriol or, um, some of those D3 analogs, renal disease, and then neoplasia. Cause anytime we have calcification, we also worry about neoplasia. Um, so if we have a patient that eats it, we want to decontaminate them within four hours. So getting to, to vomit, uh, doing some charcoal, activated charcoal, um, if depending on the dose, if we're greater than 0.5 milligrams per kilogram, then we definitely need to do multiple doses just because the enterohepatic circulation, we need to make sure that that's not going to be an issue. Same thing it, with, with the other ones is do the one gram per keg slurry. And then, um, every eight hours for, um, at least two additional doses, just to make sure that we're not reabsorbing, um, IV fluids, all that fun business. So non-clinically affected patients, sub-Q flare, uh, sub-Q fluid therapy is great. Um, and then just kind of monitoring lab work and, they, and this could be outpatient, so you want to get a baseline calcium concentration. So ionized calcium. So I know like, uh, the I stats are great for an ionized calcium. If you don't have that, uh, can you send out an ionized calcium to a lab? Yes, I believe you can. Yeah. So you, you can do that as you, you obviously don't get the results right away, but However you do it, you just want to make sure you get baseline, get a uh, phosphorus concentration, PCB, total proteins, BUN, creatine, electrolytes, um, and just kind of get a pre-fluid pre urinalysis just to see kind of where the kidneys are at. Because again, we want to make sure our kidneys don't get, get whopped <laughs> during, during this one. Um, and then kind of recheck about 72 hours after ingestion. If there's still no clinical signs, again, we're checking our ionized calcium, phosphorus, PCB, total proteins, BUN, creatinine, and just seeing how things are doing. So that's kind of your, your lower dose, the zero point, your lower dose, your 0 0.1 to 0 0.5 mg per keg. If we're over 0 0.5 mg per keg, um, if you're doing, 0.5 mg per keg, um, you're going to want to do the same thing. So ionized calcium, phosphorus concentration, PCB, B, B1, creatinine, electrolytes, pre-fluid urinalysis. Then um, we're rechecking kind of um, the same stuff, but every 24 hours until about 72 to 96 hours mm -hmm. after ingestion. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit longer or a little bit more frequent monitoring um, for these patients. They should be um, on IV fluids for at least twice maintenance for 24 hours, just to kind of help maintain um, kidney function and um, with the activated charcoal, just get stuff out. And then the other part of this, this is for the, the, the larger dose, um, is using cholestyramine, um, giving it orally um, every eight hours for about three to four days to kind of help prevent that enterohepatic circulation. circulation. Um, so kind of helps with, with that. Obviously don't give it at the same time as charcoal because don't give any medications orally with charcoal because they won't absorb it. No. I know, right? So these, these are patients that are not clinically affected. 
patients that are clinically affected, um, GI support, just making sure, you know, to kind of deal with the vomiting, um, hyperphosphatemic patients, we're going to use aluminum hydroxide. If we're hypercalcemic, we're going to be monitoring our ionized calcium, um, you know, and, and then we could do like bisphosphates, um, I'm sorry, bisphosphonates such as pimidronate or uh, zolidronate to kind of help with decreasing our osteoclastic bone activity because we don't want bone issues. Um, and so this can help, um, giving a single dose for, um, for them. And it's good. It helps with one to three days worth of ionized calciums. Sometimes depending on how much of a dose they got, they may require a second dose of it. Um, prednisone can be used or prednisolone in cats, um, to help, uh, decrease the calcium absorption, which is crazy. I didn't even realize that that is a thing. Um, so that can help, um, kind of prevent the absorption and enhance secretion by the kidneys. We can use furosemide to help with calcium excretion through kidneys. However, we want to be very careful because it can dehydrate them and cause electrolyte disturbances. So if you're doing um, biphosphonate, then we probably don't do furosemide, which is kind of interesting. So it really, the prognosis for this is really it's dose dependent. Um, it depends on if we can correct it pretty quickly. And if we start seeing calcium, um, elevations. So, uh, the problem is if we've got metastatic calcification, so kidneys, liver, wherever it is, um, it, we're going to have to deal with chronic long-term disease for these, um, because you can't uncalcify things which sucks. So oh. that's our D3. So the last two are, are pretty quick. There's corn gluten. Uh, corn gluten comes in a variety. So either disc or pellets usually just causes GI upset. So basically what this does is it, um, um, so it's, it's powder from dehydrated corn cobs uh, this leads to dehydration, hypovolemic shock, and death if ingested by the target audience. Target well, it also audience. sounds like, too, it can cause, like, a possible GI obstruction. So I wonder if it's more of, like, that. Yeah, so, in the, and that's exactly what it is. It's, like, that's kind of the big stuff. So it's like, uh, it's like paste. Like it just like, it's like Gorilla Glue. Like it just. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't expand, but yes. Um, it does not sound good. So GI upset, especially for larger patients. I mean, it's going to take more, obviously, but it's not horrible, but it is bad for rats <laughs> and mice. Um, and then zinc phosphide, that's one that we talked about a little bit in the beginning of last episode. That one's used typically for gophers and moles. Um, and so basically what happens is the zinc phosphide is converted to a phosphine gas in the stomach. So basically it makes them bloat. That's fine. No big um, deal. Yeah, no big deal. Um, once they've done that, then they also get ataxia, seizures, and tremors. Um, this can be absorbed into the liver and the kidneys. This is that one. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So the 
the poisoning basically it's a GI tract irritant, but it also causes cardiovascular collapse. Um, so vomiting, uh, abdominal pain, uh, aimless running and howling followed by depression, difficulty breathing and convulsions and death is due to respiratory arrest. Nice. So great. I think this is the one that I don't know if you, if you've ever dealt with this one, I think if they eat this, you want to make them vomit outside because the gas, like you can inhale it. So we, we always made them go outside and made them vomit outside. Just kind of crazy because it produces the phosphine gas, which is crazy. Um, let's see. It's all kind of stuff. So for these, um, basically if we, if they have ingested it, um, it can take clinical science can occur within minutes or up to 24 hours. Um, in severe cases, cardiovascular collapse and death may occur within five hours of exposure, which is crazy. Like you're, you, you may not even know they did it and come home to a dead pet, which sucks. So if you do see it, um, basically what you want to do is, um, you want to make them vomit and you want it in a well-ventilated environment within one to two hours of ingestion. So go outside. Um, we also want to raise the gastric lumen pH. So feeding, um, feeding should be avoided because that'll lower the pH. So we want to not get them to eat. We can use magnesium hydroxide um, because that um, will help with raising pH. Um, and then if in the between the phone call and getting to the hospital, um, animals or pet owners can give calcium carbonate antacids um, before transit just to kind of help raise that, that pH. Um, clinical or activated char charcoal with sorbitol is recommended for these guys. Just be careful for aspiration. We do baseline CBC, chem, UA. Um, if you can get a venous blood glass, that would be great. Um, we will check coags and severely affected patients, ECG if there's cardiovascular signs, x-rays if respiratory changes are noted, monitoring vitals and blood pressures, um, and then checking, checking kind of uh, serum um, chems and, and stuff, depending on how they're doing. And then a liver profile three to five days after ingestion just crazy. So treatment, we got antacids for about three to five days, um, gastroprotectants. So a proton, proton pump inhibitor, um, H2 blockers, sucralfate, or combination of those for about five to seven days for clinically normal, 14 to 21 days for a clinically affected patient. Um, IV fluids should be at least 24 hours or until clinical signs resolve. Um, and acetylcysteine can be used for large doses, uh, large exposure, just to kind of help with, um, with free radical scavenging for these patients, um, uh, methocarbamol for seizures, anticonvulsants for seizures, excuse me, methocarbamol for tremors, anticonvulsants for seizures, hepatoprotectants if needed, 
and supportive care. Nice. Uh, so typically if a patient is clinically normal within 12 hours of ingestion, they, they tend to do really well, um, and typically do not progress. Um, however, um, if we've got multi-organ, multi-organ involvement, prognosis is poor, um, or excuse me, guarded. Um, and, but the cool thing is, is like there there was a study that was done and they said survival rate was about 98%. So I think oh, the big thing good. is like yeah. getting them decontaminated and just dealing with the, the symptoms. So, well, um, and it sounds too like a lot of this rat bait has been adjusted to be a little bit safer as well. Yeah. For the most part, I think <laughs> like a little bit. Maybe I've just been out of like general practice or emergency for too long that like, I guess we just don't see it. And I'm sure it depends on the area, right? Like more yeah. of like rural areas, like the country is going to probably have more incidents of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think, yeah, it depends on like, obviously the environment too. Like if they have problems with mice and rats or if they have problems with gophers and moles. and Yeah. Like I've seen, I've seen the gopher gopher and mole ingestion uh well bait uh, a couple of times but not a ton I, i've seen it enough to know that we took them outside to make them vomit <laughs> that was a big one so yeah so definitely some crazy crazy things to like not give your pets <laughs> Um, but if you want to know more, I mean, a lot of this information came from the Merck van, uh, Merck veterinary manual. So definitely check that out. Also the ASPCA. Um, so those are the big ones and we'll put the same references for last week for this week. But yeah, this is our rat bait. Who know, who knew there'd be so many different types of rat bait. (laughs) I did not. I bet you ER people know. (laughs) Right. They're like, duh. They're like, we've known this. Thanks for nothing. We've known all of this. (laughs) So, all right. Well, if you are, if there's nothing else, I say we, uh, oh wait, tip of the week, tip of the week. I'm, this is my tip of the week. Merck Vet Manual. Yeah, I do love Merck Vet Manual. Go to the Merck Vet Manual. They have amazing information. Um, so yeah, there's um a ton of information on these, and so it's it's really nice. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And the other tip from last week uh, applies this week again. Have clients get the information. Right. <laughs> which rat bait are we dealing with? Cause these are all very, very different on how we treat them and prognosis. So, um, you know, depends on what you want to deal with. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I guess we are good for this week. And, um, yeah. Hey. You good? I'm good. <laughs> Jordan's like, my brain's exploding right now. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? 
please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.